Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash themoviegang. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's www.audibletrial.com backslash themoviegang. The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I'm Jack Newman. I'm Ben Haworth. I'm Sarah Becker. And I'm Sean Solis. And welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast, the first uh, movie uh, review of 2017. Thank God, and I'm thank you for staying with us for the last couple weeks. I promise we will never get that drunk for that many podcasts ever again. It has Please been a little on. less serious. We're, we're mm. totally back to being super professional as Ben drinks his whiskey. <laughs> uh-huh. It's a sad movie. It's a rye whiskey time. We don't. It's a sad thinking <laughs> whiskey time. Sad, sad movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, there is no justification this week for not being sad at this movie, at the very least. But what is a sad movie, started. Jack? What's up? Oh, it's uh, a monster calls. Yeah, good, good prep. <laughs> I didn't even answer my own prep line. Um, but welcome to the Movie Gang podcast. And this week we're going to be reviewing a monster calls. But first up, we're going to be looking at Trailer Corner. Um, the trailer we picked this week is Alien Covenant, the continuing on of uh, what was it? What was the last one called? I don't know. Prometheus. Oh yeah, it didn't have Alien. wasn't part. It was a prequel series, Prometheus. But now it's called Alien. Yeah, it's officially Alien. There's an alien literally in the trailer having a gratuitous shower scene. Um, <laughs> alien, not your beauty standards. Um, clearly, the alien was what we were supposed to be find sexually attractive in that situation, not the fact that he's killing people. Um, but HR well, Giger would be proud. Yeah. Here's the thing. I want to say that this trailer single-handedly has made me insanely depressed for the coming movie. Like, I have no faith in this. I do not think it will be good. I think this movie is going to be terrible because it has the same sort of, like, eclectic take on the Alien franchise that um, clearly that uh, Prometheus did. And I think that's the same sort of thing as, like, you know, no one is ever trying to recreate Alien, which is which is, like... The terribleness of this series for me is that after the best movie, Alien, we you know we got Aliens, which is really good, and then we got Alien Three, and then we continue on out into now into this new prequel trilogy, kind of shooting for the wrong thing that made this sequence popular. So for me, this is just like more confirmation that we're in trouble. I think for me, the Alien series is so terrible <laughs> as of right now. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Uh, Alien One and Two are some of my favorite movies, uh, but they've just been progressively more and more horrible that i'm not looking for great anymore <laughs> i'm just looking for okay uh i will at least say this one seems to be tonally more on point than prometheus where the previous trailer was all like serious philosophical ideas about mankind and then there's like squid monsters and a guy who's really big and creepy like it just had the yeah. worst tonal problems for me uh and so at least this one looks like a straight up horror movie but Alien was one of the best horror movies of all time because it avoided a lot of tropes. And yeah, seeing a shower scene straight out of a Friday the 13th movie. That was really alien. I'm like, uh, 
Yeah, and it and it does the whole like curves around and gives you like body horror scare that he's gonna like stab the penis or genitals of those people. And I'm like, Aww. oh, that's such a cheap trick. Like, fuck you. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> like, well, I, know, that's... <laughs> I know, Sean, you're no fan of Ridley Scott recently, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I think I once said that he hadn't put out a good movie since Gladiator, which. Oh, might have been a little harsh, but <laughs> but maybe Black Hawk I, Down. Maybe go one year later. Black, Black, Black Hawk, Hawk Down is good. I'll give good, you that. Yeah. I'll give you that. And maybe maybe Black Hawk Down's a little bit overblown, but it is good. You know. It is so what what's what's funny though is I remember when the Prometheus trailer came out, everyone thought that was like one of the best trailers ever made, and everyone got so excited about Prometheus. So hopefully the I guess the the reverse is true here that now that everyone thinks this trailer is shitty, the movie actually turns out to be pretty good. <laughs> I, I do remember everyone freaked out hardcore over that trailer and like Ridley Scott returning to the series that made him big, and I was like, nah, brah, like this is <laughs> this is going well, nowhere it's, good. It's, it's the cheapening effect too, you know what I mean? Where it's like when. When the Force Awakens coming out, it's like it's the first Star Wars movie in fifteen years, um, and it's sort of similar with Prometheus, where it was like the first two sci-fi movies he did were Alien and Blade Runner, so this will be just as good. Well, since then he's made The Martian, which is fine, mm-hmm. you know, like so he's he's already cheapened sort of his sci-fi legacy to a point where it's like I'm not expecting the greatest movie of all time, personally. Yeah, hopefully it's on par with the Martian. That, yeah, like I would, that, that would be a win. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just good. That's why I'm just looking for good. <laughs> just something, just something south there of of, of okay. I, I I'm not gonna lie. Prometheus is a stinker, and and I this is just because for me, like I, I agree with you guys. We can hope, and and I will always continue to hope. But this this trailer more than anything just has that same sort of Prometheus vibe to it of like too many characters, not enough plot aliens used in a super stupid way. It's just, it's just like, it's like making, it's like the B movie version of an already bad movie. And I'm just like, no, I'm good. (laughs) And, and and you could tell it's like, it almost feels like trailer executives going back and be like, Oh, why didn't people like Prometheus critically? It's because it didn't have aliens. We need to see that alien in the trailer. And you get like a, you get like a fucking, gore shower shot all right i'm gonna stop i'm gonna sound terrible i'm so angry i'm sorry that, that shower scene makes me like upset it really ruins the whole trailer it's like a fine trailer but then at the end you're like, it's oh. not bad it's got like the thing going in through his ear it's got people screaming it has that opening moment where she's there in decon it has the face huggers done pretty well there's nothing in, uh, horribly wrong about it it's just that like shower scene i'm like oh my god they just friday the 13th all over this like right. no no thank you I think the thing for me is it looks like an alien fan film. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. A really yeah. high-budget fan film. It doesn't look like there's anything two, new here. It's just like, oh, aliens. And, yeah. 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 Actually, it doesn't even look like it has that kind of budget. It doesn't have any of those, like, remember the Prometheus. Everyone got excited because the Prometheus, the ship itself, like, the ship was That's so true. well shot. Not well shot, but was so well uh, designed at the time, which just blew your mind. And it was uh, and it was awesome in IMAX. Like, the, the first ten minutes where that ship lands and the part of that movie is great. Right. We're like, this time, they're like, where are those Prometheus suits? They're in storage, right? Bring them back out. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> like, it's a lot of recycled Wasn't stuff everything really like awesome and over-designed in the last one? Let's do that again. <laughs> uh, this is going to sound like an Andrew point, but, I mean, I feel like the, the downfall of these movies is, like, the budgets have just gotten too large for them, and they just make stupid decisions. Because it's like, oh, we've got like millions of, we can just spare a million dollars here on making this look cool. And what made Alien, like the first Alien, so good is that they left like so much to your imagination, which made it like so terrifying, I thought. 
But and not. also a lot of the uh, apparently a, like a lot of the decisions for some of the scariest moments in that movie were made because the person couldn't move around in the suit. <laughs> yeah, or he looked dumb. <laughs> yeah, oh, <laughs> it's like man. like I don't know if you've seen. There's like a shot they tried where like he's like walking on his hind legs, and it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. It is hilarious. <laughs> it is hilarious. So stupid. Yeah, and the other thing that's he's funny, like crab walking. The other thing that's funny about that movie <laughs> is that the guy that played the alien like disappeared or something afterwards. Yeah, like he was yeah. never seen yeah. from again. It's one of those creepy Hollywood mystery things. Oh, yeah. yeah. Huh. People don't know what happened to him. All right, let's move on. This is getting into stupid territory. <laughs> Alien Covenant. Don't go see it. It's probably going to be don't bad. Don't go see it. At least wait for the review first. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Wait right here on the Movie Gang podcast where we'll get along to uh, reviewing that soon because we want to do it so you don't fucking have to, you bastards. <laughs> 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 Moving on. This week we went and saw a Monster Calls. Uh, synopsis: The monster does not. Oh, I didn't. You picked a bad synopsis. I did. Again, didn't you? <laughs> the monster does not come walking often. This time it comes to Connor and it asks for the one thing Connor cannot bring himself to do: tell the truth. Oh my god! Oh boy, that's this your is a worst very yet, exactly story about a boy who feels very damaged, guilty, and mostly angry. What is this synopsis? You need to read these. Yo, me, can I can I try my own synopsis off the dome? Just go, because this is like this. No, no, let me finish. I gotta figure this. Is, it's epically bad. He struggles okay. to school. At, no, he struggles to school with bullies. To school with bullies. <laughs> pity looks and pity is looks. Is that a James Bond every, movie? No, no, no. Here's the sentence. He struggles to school with bullies, comma, and pity looks with everyone, comma, and at home with his mother's sickness. Okay, this is written by Google Translate, clearly. This is just ridiculous. Will Connor overcome his problems? Question mark. Will everything be okay? Question mark. Will Connor be able to speak the truth? Question mark. That's the end. Okay. Oh, boy. I, didn't, I pulled that off IMDb. Yeah, okay. let, 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 uh, let, let me try real quick. Crack at that. <laughs> I, I need to, like, I, you're right, Ben. I just need to edit the, the, the synopsis for I, this. I have to for Geek Space 9 because sometimes people just write in the weirdest fucking ways. I, and it's just uh, the internet. Like, and I wouldn't even have noticed that it was that bad. Like, I pulled it and I was it's just. It's till like, you yeah, read it out. It's till you read it out. Yeah, yeah you read yeah. it aloud. Like, I know what they mean. I know what they're referring to, but it's not till I read it out that I'm like, that is the most insane run on sentence I've read in a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a paragraph. Our, run on he struggles to school with bullies oh my to god school with bullies oh my god that's my new band name to school with bullies <laughs> um all right so the, the the synopsis for this film is that we follow uh connor o'malley a young sorry child maybe around eight or nine ish uh who's having trouble at home because his mom is uh suffering from a terminal illness um, while he's sort of dealing with these problems and his anger about uh, sort of his lack of ability to sort of engage with this, uh, a monster shows up telling him that he will show up at 12.07 every night uh, and tell him three stories, and then Connor will have to tell him one of his own. And sort of we learn throughout the, the course of the movie what the monster's sort of message is, why he's there, and what it all means. Yeah, that was a much better one. Um, yes. <laughs> I do think I do think an interesting thing about this story is that for me, and I'll, and I'll get into this over the course of the thing. I like this movie. I think this movie is a great. I think this movie is going to bring to the light a lot of problems that me and Ben defer on when the book is much better than the movie. Right, I believe that a movie should just be sort of 
on its own. I and will I, agree with you that maybe the script could have been handled a little more differently, but I still, I emotionally react to this movie so much that it's hard I for know. me to, I will say I right know. away, to give it a more critical I, and, and this is the thing where the difference for me is that the tone from the book and the movie differ very strongly. And my, my bit, my core argument would be like, um, the book kind of makes you think of it more as like a pan's labyrinth. And I'll put this link in the uh, show notes, but if you guys go to the Google hangout, you'll see a link that I gave to like the art from the book and you can actually see it right there. The, the monster and the two and like the nature of the book kind of has this more terrifying effect and it's the difference between like a harry potter done by christopher columbus and a harry potter done by alfonso curan for me and for me like the book kind of is like deeply within that pan's labyrinth alfonso curan style and i wanted them to go all the way and not try to make this a little bit for kids which is kind of a little bit what the the twee element for me happens here and so for me it's just i have like this initial strong reaction having loved this book it's my favorite book of last year katie literally dragged me kicking and screaming to make me read this book like she refused <laughs> no 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 this was a big deal for us like she like I, I i don't read books very much anymore because i i edit so much so i always listen to podcasts and uh, and books on tape but she made me sit down and read this and look at like the art for the book and I have to admit, it's like the best book I read last year. And without a doubt, I think I have an issue with the translation from this to the movie to the point that I think the book is so much better. I think that it affects my opinion of the movie. I'm no doubt that it does. But whether or not it should affect my movie is kind of another, it's up for debate. I have not read the book. So I, I don't have an opinion based on that. I will say, based on similar characters in recent media, it was really hard for me to separate the monster from either, you know, Treebeard from Lord of the Rings or Groot <laughs> from um, Guardians of the Galaxy. He's either Treebeard's son or Groot's dad, and I can't decide which, but... Those were the two, yeah. you know, <laughs> schemas in my mind throughout most of this film. That's not to say I didn't love this film, my- and I'll get to that later. But you know, when the monster first showed up, I was like, "Oh, it's Groot's dad." It was great. Yeah, cool. He's, he's twee <laughs> as fuck. Is the problem for me? Well, like, I think he's trying to do too many things, right? Because like he's trying to be like Liam Neeson. I'm like going to be super intimidating, right? And then there's also moments where it's like, but it's also kind of for kids, so he's kind of cute at the same time. And and like the combinate the clash doesn't really work all that well. And which and that's the thing is when I read the book, I didn't read it as a I didn't read it from a kid's perspective. I read it from a grown up perspective, and I think it works so much better there. And I think that's the thing is like the the clash and tone for me. It just you know this is my thing. It's like you're sitting here like what is this movie? Is this? And all I can think going watching this movie is what if? And that's my that's my core issue. And I realize that's not. I understand Ben that you're going to say that that's not that doesn't mean I'm viewing this movie in comparison to other movies that are out there. You know this is a great movie, and I think that's is because this script is near and dear to that it is I think the script really works in delivering that and having that again the in spoilers for a monster calls but tying it up at the end with like the fact that the kid comes out with like his deeper emotional issues and not what you expect him to be dealing with that cancer and the fact that he actually has guilt about wanting to end ha- just have everything end it's it's really powerful and emotional story and I and I, I recommend it I recommend you go see it I just think that the well, this is where I get yeah. uh, hypocritical because I am also bringing my own elements to this, which is, I guess I just have a problem with the actual book version because if someone else hasn't read it, you can't 
defend that. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, you can't. I'm sure the, the book is great, but I haven't read it, and I'm just viewing this as a movie, and so I have to just view it as a movie, and I right. do try to view it as a film. Did- but I can also deny that I like this movie so much because I was raised by a mom. And I want to hear Sarah's version because she has a very different reason. I know why she uh, attached this movie. But for me, the attachment is I was raised by a mom who's a palliative care nurse. And so she deals with people dying every day. And I've learned a lot about what it means to deal with grief and what it means to deal with the loss of someone, even though I've never lost someone very close to me. Um, I feel like I have a different perspective than a lot of people just because I've talked about it a lot with people. And it's not to say you're going to misunderstand this movie because you don't experience those things. It's just, I personally react to this movie very hard because movies about grief really hit me. It's a, we'll talk when we review Manchester by the sea, I had a similar reason where I think both Manchester by the sea and this movie and a movie I love called Nina forever were three movies this year about grief that did it in a very interesting uh, way and really got it a core idea. And I think the core idea that, that, that this again, spoiler cast, um, that Connor is dealing with that he just wants his mom to die to end her suffering. And it's sort of this That's... weird idea of, of emotional guilt, but also emotional lightness. And it's a, an act of love and an act of selfishness and getting with right. both. It's like, it, it, I think that complexity is so interesting. That's what draw me to this film. Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing again here. Like, what other movie kind of defers to this kind of level of emotional substance and grief? And that's the thing is I can't compare it to anything. I mean, right? Because even I guess, though I love Pan's Labyrinth, its theme is a lot more simple. You know what I mean? And it does it. Uh, it does a dark uh, thing. Very much I would argue. But I would the movie, say that movie is more successful at delivering upon a simpler theme. And yes, I think it's that's more successful. It's a, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah, yeah, easy theme. Yeah, because this is like this is such a difficult theme and i think it really does a good job of dealing with the material think- like the way the way i would kind of like relate to this is like i mean if you've got like a like a grandparent with like alzheimer's or something like that or someone who you're like watching deteriorate and you know that it's like an irreversible thing that you kind of have to grapple with those same emotions where it's like yeah i mean i love this person i don't want to like i don't want to see them go but by the same token like you know they're not gonna they're not gonna turn the corner on this so you do have to kind of like face those issues and i thought this movie did a really good job of addressing that in a way that i thought was realistic and same sense at the same time the way it not gamifies but so much like signposts it's this this movie overstates things for me and and that's not to say that things aren't stated like the monster literally says at the ending you're going to learn something and like the movie like he says he, I'm going to tell you three stories and then you're going to learn something <laughs> like, like it's kind of like all up there and the monster does that in the book it's just done with such a different it feels like such a different tone than Liam Neeson getting up there and saying it in such a warm tone and with all the bits there like it, it has a, like a very different effect for me than what it did in the book and I think that's I think that's intentional but also just like the way that somebody is translating the story because like I know that the script was done by the same guy that wrote the book and I love that and I think that all those that's why everything is working and coming through but then you have Liam Neeson reading that line and there's levels there's direction and uh, there's direct for me it's like the direction and the actor don't understand and the animators don't understand where the writer was coming from does that make sense I, I understand think where so. you're coming from. I think for the tone they're going for the film itself, I think it works because I do think they are going for a different tone in the younger audience. And yes, it's that's my the book, and that's my bit. That's it's like it's like a I'm a problem. this book was very personal for me. I think it hits very close to me, and I think that's the issue is that they. I feel like the I feel like this this force of the director aging this movie down, and that upsets me. I think that upsets me. 
Yeah, but I think it's like a universal, like anyone can experience these emotions, like regardless I, of I, like. I know that everyone can experience this. Emo- I just like, why can't this be? This is a dark subject matter. Deliverance of this, it could be such a more powerful thing and more of a beautiful piece well, for me. Because like, for me, it is more of a fairy tale, and I think uh, sort of doing well, a dark, dark version fairy of fairy tale. tale because that's what I liked about it is like he starts with this story about a prince and a princess, and then it ends with the prince murdering the princess and getting away with it, and right. it's actually sort of on purpose and it's it is that reversal so i think it is it is balancing that very well and i think the film does do a good job and i i do really enjoy liam neeson's performance because i think he does sort of balance terror and and and, and trickery I, and I, I don't view it as a full sort of chris columbus pure kids movie in my opinion there's no uh, i mean I, don't, why I think I, it's bombing yeah <laughs> i think i think i think it is too dark for kids i think i think that's my thing is like push this into oscar territory don't push it into kids territory I don't know that I it's too dark the... for kids. I think that a lot of kids do deal with this kind of issue. I just don't think no. it's talked about too much because it's too fucking depressing to think about. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> I think that's, that's absolutely oh true. It is. Um, no, it's super depressing. Like, like, I think that the desire to end a person you love suffering is very real. And I think that's the thing that, like, we, you know, we there was a whole Planet Money podcast where they talked about, like, you know, there are places in the u.s where it's totally normal to talk about your death plans and like people and the reason that we're wasting billions of dollars a year on people just not making their death wishes an end of life care known man and it's like like literally like billions of dollars a year that we just we just we're uncomfortable talking about death and the culture in america is that we're not supposed to talk about death we're just supposed to make this assumption that we lived forever and i think that it's more affecting more than ever the kids in this culture that like they just don't have like you know because ever before people would die earlier grandpas and grandmas would die but everyone's living longer and people just death is is become an affront in our society and i think that's why this movie's not doing well (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think because this movie is the 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 epitome of of healthiness and the concept of death and dealing with death. Yes, right. Sorry, sorry. No, I I just I was just gonna say like I think Prince recently is like a great example of someone who had like no family planning at all and like I think the federal government took like forty percent of this as a state because he didn't like. Right. Actually, have like an estate planner. Because you're prince. Do so you think you're going to die at fifty when you're prince? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. He's so not. Even, he didn't even do a fuck ton of drugs. It's like, what the fuck happened? He just took the wrong cold medicine. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. It's it's insane. Yeah. It's like it's like it's like you know you think of like in like fucking Keith Richard is still fucking alive. Like, <laughs> what the fuck? There is no justice. <laughs> I saw sense. Keith Richard. I like the thing well, I, know, do, uh, uh, I mean, he just sang a little sort of ditty. I do not want Keith Richard at um. Oh, what's his name? He had his 90th birthday recently. He's this famous jazz singer. Um, just a minute. Oh. I've forgotten his name. But Keith Richards did a he sang like happy birthday to him <laughs> or something. And it was um, Tony Bennett. That's who it was. Oh, and uh, I was kind of yeah. shocked that Keith Richards was still alive, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I do not He's... want Keith Richards to die. He's an amazing artist. I'm just saying. No, I don't want him to die either. No, no, I just I need to like clarify. I I feel like it's clear to you guys, but to the listener, no, I'm like no. I don't I want him to die. He's just it's just hilarious that he's lived this long with as much drugs as he did. Yes, <laughs> yes. I think you you've hit on a point. I think the fact that this is a difficult subject is probably one of the reasons why this movie is not doing very well. Because like, I mean, you read the tagline, it's like no one wants to watch a movie about a mom with terminal cancer and how like the kid copes with it, right? But I think this movie does address it in a really good way that hopefully like moves the conversation forward on this subject and hopefully makes it a little bit more approachable to different audiences. Well, I think, 
I think Jack's nailing something because Manchester by the Sea is actually doing pretty well, and it's a lot about grief. But I think people would rather watch a story about grief than mm. dying. Right. You know what I mean? Where yeah. like the 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 Manchester starts pretty early on with one of the main characters dying. Uh, versus this is she she lives through most of the movie until the very end. It is about the painful process of watching someone slowly die, which sucks. And I think you're right that they're because uh, like why did Collateral Beauty make a bunch of money and not like a ton of money, but more than it definitely deserved to. Right, <laughs> and right. then, uh, Monster Calls didn't because I don't know people can deal more with the abstract idea of grief, which is still important in movies. But I think the actual talking about death process itself yeah and watching someone decay is really hard <laughs> well especially like wanting like it just getting so numb that the, like the process of it is just something that we as america and i think i think it's more because i've watched this excellent i referenced it already but this excellent planet money podcast but like i do think that it is it's something that came to mind that it's just like culturally americans do not deal with death and it, and it, and more in healthcare, like the way it is, it's just like people's reaction in healthcare nowadays. When like there's complications and somebody dies, it's not supposed to happen to them. Is is mm-hmm. the reaction, and that's more too because I deal with um in my job. I often play. I'll be a PA and I'll play. Well, I'm not a PA, but I I'll play a patient's parent, and like we'll we'll do like Kobayashi Maru style um of cases where they <laughs> go in there and they're gonna lose the patient. Like it's just right. gonna happen. Like there's some there's some makeups and the things point that is happen. To lose a patient. Exactly. The point is to lose a patient, and then they they come out and they have to go tell me that they lost the patient. And you know we'll do things where like I'll be prepped and I'll throw a tray. I'll get really really pissed and start crying and throw a chair and all this stuff. And like and they'll get really like, they get really upset. <laughs> like I'll never forget this one time where we had to stop the simulation because this this uh, medical student started crying uncontrollably. <laughs> it was just really really upset. And she was so, and I, I did this other one. My, one of my favorite ones is that um, there was this uh, medical student and we were doing like a falls scenario and I was playing this old patient and I fell down on the hall and they're supposed to like go about like saving. And she did everything right. Like she immediately like got to the situation. But as soon as I was back in the chair, she just started just crying uncontrollably. And she's like, what if he had died? <laughs> and it was, it's one of those things. It's like, I, you just realize that like people aren't taught in their lives nowadays to deal with death. And it's just like this new thing. And I think that's the other thing is like grief is normal, but we always want to have a movie like couched as somebody getting over something and moving on, shrugging off the hit of death and not internalizing. Uh, I can't wait for our Manchester talk. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think, I think it would be really good. I think both me and Ben have had experience with death and grief. So I think it's, I think it's other people too. And I think it, I think it would be good to talk about grief specifically because I do think Um, these two movies couch it entirely differently. Yeah. Uh, Sarah, Sarah, I know you had sort of a visceral reaction and if you wanted to talk, I really want to hear it actually. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have older parents. Um, my mom, blessedly, is still alive. And in all honesty, she's probably in better shape than I am at this point in my life. <laughs> um, uh, but my dad passed away about 11 years ago. He was in his 70s. He had a wonderful, long, full, fantastic life. Um, but my whole life growing up, he had, I think he had two heart attacks before I was born. He had a couple of bouts of congestive heart failure. And in all honesty, he was in the hospital a lot when I was growing up. And I remember it it wasn't the same thing really as, you know, somebody having terminal cancer or something like that. But I remember growing up several, several moments when my dad was in the hospital 
And my mom would have these chats with me of, you know, sometime you need to be prepared for when daddy doesn't come home from the hospital. And then one time he didn't. And uh, so I, I don't know, I really identified with, with Connor's character in this film, I guess, of just, you know, being aware that the inevitable was coming. And of course you didn't want it to happen ever, but you know, it would happen one of these days and just having to prepare yourself for when it did. And uh, I'm normally when I see movies, I don't cry when things are sad. I'm, you know, I'm very sad inside, but I don't have like a visible reaction to it. I cry when things are happy. I cry when there's some sort of big emotional swell in the music. I cry when there's a reunion between a parent and child, things like that. In A Monster Calls, it's just sad. When Connor went in to go speak to his mother for the last time before she dies, I was sobbing. I was in tears. I was in complete tears. And I did not stop until probably about 10 minutes into the credits because I knew exactly what this poor boy was feeling. And I was reliving it probably for the first time since my dad passed away, actually. And I thought that this film dealt with that whole issue very, very well. I did not know that, Sarah. I'm very sorry. Yep. I'm, I am sorry. I didn't. Damn. Sorry. No, it's, <laughs> no, it's, it's just uh, one of those things that I hadn't Jesus. really thought about it in like a decade. And then I saw this movie and all of it came rushing back to me. You know who feels like a dick for saying me and Ben understand death? Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> I, I, I love you, Sarah. I'm no, sorry. We, we understand in an academic way and under, Sarah absolutely understands it in an emotional way. Yeah. We, we, I Jesus. totally understand that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Sarah's right on. I mean, I kind of had a similar similar reaction to this film because, I mean, as I kind of alluded to, uh, I lost my grandmother recently, and uh, you know, she had. I'm sorry, Sean. No, thank you. But um, it was it, it was a similar deal to this movie because it was she had Alzheimer's, so it was a really slow decline, and uh, you know, those last couple of years are really tough because you know she just pretty much forgets everything, right? And kind of going through that stage where. Um, you know, it's, you know, you're kind of grappling with the same issues that Connor does where it's like, you don't want to see them in this way. And you know that it's like, it's a very painful thing to watch, uh, to watch play out. Um, but you, you kind of struggle with, oh my God, I, you know, while I want it to end, I don't want to lose my grandma. Right. But you know, you kind of have to deal with that. It's I, I don't even know if I figured it out, but I think the movie kind of does a really good job of, you know, when, uh, Liam Neeson says at the end, it's, it's not really about what you think, but it's about what you do and your actions and, you know, you're there for mm -hmm. them and, and all that stuff. And I thought that was just a really powerful message. So, I mean, I was kind of like similarly impacted uh, by this movie. And I think that's why I can understand where Jack is coming from in that I think the first view in this movie hit me very hard and it's a very tough movie that I don't want to watch again anytime soon even though i really like it a lot there are just those movies that you love but don't want to watch all the time because it hits you very emotionally but uh i do wonder what i feel on the second viewing because i think a lot of my uh emotional reaction was sort of similar to zootopia in a weird way where it's like oh we're doing this we're going somewhere interesting now i think it sort of deals with it seems better than zootopia i think uh, that's a different conversation but um what what i can appreciate is just how much a singular moments reveal and like the, the reveal at the end that his mom actually dies at 1207 and that's what it was leading to and then there's seeing Neeson in a, a very subtle photograph and realizing he's the father and she created the monster and she brought it on him like all that really just hit me very very yeah well and I think Patrick that I was crying even more oh my gosh 
<laughs> yeah, he, I think he really weaved a very, very impressive, and it doesn't feel like an M. Night Shyamalan twist or, or, or cynical no, in any way. They it do really so good. Well earned. It's not even really a twist. It's just. Yeah. It's just the natural movie. effects of it. It's just someone being brave enough to say what it is. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. It's just, yeah. You're not. It's, it's, it's somebody overcoming a social construct to say the the heart of it and somebody just so and that's the thing it's like they little and it, it bugs me because it did bug me in the book too he's like you have to say the truth and then like at the beginning i was like wow that's a truth that isn't said or people aren't comfortable with and i think that's why it works for me and it is powerful yep. Yeah, and that he was like willing to like jump off the ledge and kill himself rather than actually like confront it and say like what what he felt right. That's, you know, then you can kind of understand where he's coming to from. To let you go, yeah. <laughs> it's and, and and the the construct too, letting her go. He wants to do it. He wants to take action in it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's that feeling of passiveness. You know what I mean, where you feel just so helpless as you watch someone you love suffer. You know, and it's just very hard to. Uh, to watch that happen and not feel those feelings. But it's so hard to also deal with the fact that you're like, am I a selfish person for wanting them to die? Because you're not. And that's ultimately what the message of the film sort of is, is that it's sort of a natural feeling that it, it that, that, that life can be contradictions. And that's why I appreciate the story. It's, it's anytime we sort of deconstruct fairy tales, because fairy tales are so notably moralistic. You know what I mean? It's uh, what's the moral of this story? Don't be greedy. What's the moral of this story? Don't steal. You know, like they often are very, moralistic but a lot of the older ones had these very dark very very intense tones to them um and 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 this was sort of an interesting one where we tell fairy tale stories with contradictions because life is contradiction in itself and that's what made me appreciate this movie so much yeah i don't have a good cutaway for our uh our audible tie-in today <laughs> just like audible I, I got nothing i'm waiting for somebody to say something to tie into our audible commercial and i got i got nothing so I'm just gonna stop it, or we're gonna do it. Okay, <laughs> sorry guys. Audible recommends something that makes you feel much better. <laughs> well, you can actually go listen to a monster calls for you, the listeners of the Movie Gang podcast. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30 day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their services. Uh, so again, I think if I'm actually gonna check this right now on Audible.com, I bet you. Da, 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 da. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash Tuscan. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash Tuscan for your free audiobook. If you head there, you can give us uh, you can give us a little bit of help on the Movie Gang podcast and support the Tuscan Shed Media Network. And, yeah, and uh, I, I've used Audible a lot, and Audible's awesome. So also, just <laughs> as a heads a up, fan. you can head on over there right now, and you can actually uh, get a Monster Calls. As you go on there, you can uh, – it's uh, currently for twelve twenty four for members price. That's $12. But if you get started today, you can actually pick up a Monster Calls for free by using the Audible trial, uh, audibletrial.com backslash Tuscan, and you can get uh, um, a Monster Calls for free. I think it's in multiple languages. So uh, go check that out and help out your, the Tuscan Shed Media Network and the Movie Gang Podcast. We would really appreciate that, guys. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Back to Hooray sadness. Marketing. <laughs> Back to sadness. <laughs> what, what did everyone think of Felicity Jones in this movie? I'm curious. What everyone I, I, I'm, I, she was a device. You didn't think she had much to do? Uh I, yeah, I yeah. mean, like, I, I don't think say? she did a bad job, but no, I, no, I agree with just didn't. her function as a character. I mean, she was there to 
I don't know, facilitate she, Connor's sadness. Yeah, she doesn't even really exist story. as a whole character outside his mind. Yes. Right. Like she's a fl- right. she's a perfect flower child representation of a mother that understands him and he's losing. So like it the movie's about Connor and 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 she's not really a real person and that's not a bad thing. I mean, I think right. she does a good job at what what she's what what you know, what the character is being used for in the movie. Um like she does have a couple really great scenes where she's able to like clearly emotionally connect with Connor and you understand like the relationship that Connor has with her. And I think that's very effectively done. And you know, it, it, the viewer kind of understands what's going on and she is really kind of a linchpin in order to make this whole movie work. And you know, it's, it's kind of funny seeing this so soon after seeing uh, rogue one where it's just completely different characters that she's playing. So you really do get a sense of like her range as an actress. Um, is but, she I mean, going overall, to be the next Sean Bean where she dies every time? <laughs> Interesting question. <laughs> but no, I mean, I thought it worked. Maybe. So, yeah, I was just curious. I, I, I pretty much agree with you guys that I think she does a good job. She's very good at the emotional scenes. I think I said in the Rogue One, I think she was cast for the emotional scenes and not so much for the badass hero Snake Plissken scenes. And, uh, she's very good at them. She's very good at uh, being very sad. <sighs> Sorry, this made me sad. Someone's stuffed up. Yeah, I'm sad. And it isn't me, calls. believe it or not. <laughs> my, guy, my bad guys um also uh i'm 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 gonna admit right now i'm very disappointed that jay bayona is going to be directing jurassic world 2 yeah mm, there is that... a jurassic world 2 well the first one made yeah. a last one made a billion and a half dollars so oh, yep. yeah <laughs> yeah it's it a lot of it did insane gangbusters that no one saw. Yeah, I mean, like, he's actually very saw good that with movie. animation. I think he's a very interesting director. But I mean, I just wanted to. I love the impossible, and I love the orphanage, and I love this movie. And I just. I, don't want to I hate it. When That's almost more take... depressing than the premise of a monster calls. Jesus. I hate it when people take good directors out of like the thing that made them good, or the situation and the monetary level that made them good, and then put them on the head of like these billion dollar movies that are only so good and have to be workshopped by what doesn't offend people to the point that, you know. Right, because he's sitting there saying, oh, it's going to be an animal rights movie, and we use a lot of animatronics. I'm like, you're saying that now, but can you say that when you start filming? Right, when you start Universal's filming this. breathing down your neck. And, so, yeah. and you have to make a new dinosaur that to sell toys. Yes. <laughs> like that like what why why do we have a hybrid dinosaur? Because they can make toys of it. <laughs> and you can't right. own the rights to a T Rex. Like that's why. <laughs> so one one kind of question I'm kinda of curious to get y'all's take on this is kind of breaking down the relationship between Connor and like uh, Sigourney Weaver and then with his dad. Because I thought those were like really interesting relationships that kind of evolved over the course of the movie. Um, you know, the relationship with his dad tanking a little bit and then him getting closer to his grandma. So I'm just curious, like, what you guys thought about that. I really liked his dad. I thought his dad was going to be such a dick, such a throwaway one-dimensional character, but he really was just more sort of a an aloof person who wasn't really capable of emotional connection in a lot of ways. And I think that's a lot more relatable as a, a father who's not around than as a uh, – uh, a father who's just an asshole <laughs> straight up I've met uh, yeah. I've seen fathers who are like that and it, it, it is much more believable to see someone who's just not capable of, of dealing with, with someone versus uh, someone who's just straight up like I don't like you and I don't want kids and I'm just going to ride my Harley yeah no it's yeah. it's a, they don't make him into a I mean this is the whole the whole movie is like let's not 
like you know let's it, the whole movie is like let's break down stereotypes to what it is what is dealing with death you have the stereotype of grief well actually it's more complicated than that sometimes you just want the pain to end like that's the big core conceit of the movie but it 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 trains you to understand that and that's the cool awesome bis about this script and i'm going and i'm sorry i know i know we'll get back ben and me will eventually get back to arguing about books and movies and the difference but <laughs> i think I'm, and i'm going to just can keep referring to this movie as the script which i see it as the script because i, I do think that's a lot fair. of the directions it's in the Patrick Ness, who wrote the book. Wrote the right, 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 right. And I think, I think that's the way I like about it, is like the script teaches you to understand the ending. Yes, which I really appreciate. It teaches you. Is I like, agree with that as well. Sigourney Weaver isn't this person. Like, she's not this villain. She's not a great person, but she's not a villain because this bad thing is happening to you. Your dad isn't bad. He's more complicated than that and and made these decisions and you have a right to be angry about this and to break this. Like it's it it teaches you to understand that evil is not evil. It's it's just the outpouring of emotions to lives that are lived and it does an amazing job of making you understand that and that's that's what's so powerful about this book specifically it's like oh you know the moot because none of the stories are fucking filler they're all incredibly important to us immediately getting that point at the end and i feel like that's the other amazing thing about that point it's it's not and maybe where in the transition like it feels more on the face to me in the movie than it does in the books in the books it's like this powerful moment it's like you immediately jump there without knowing it. Whereas I think if you just showed somebody the clip at the end of the movie, like, I don't think he would jump there so quickly. Right. I think because you're right. ready for it. Yeah. And that's, and, and that's what there's like, there's no, there's no loose brush stroke in this movie. And that's what I like about it. Back to the future stamp of approval. <laughs> <laughs> Tight ass <Yeah>. script. <laughs> I, I will say one, one possible controversial thing, which is that I, Unfortunately, and I feel bad about it. She's a great actress. I can't take Sigourney Weaver seriously anymore, and I just feel like it's just because culture has used her so much as like a here's Sigourney Weaver, um, literally in Finding Dory. Uh, <laughs> that I, it's oh just God, her Ghostbusters her cameo as a character. Yeah, Ghostbusters cameo and 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 Galaxy Quest, where she's hilarious and she's perfect for that role. But like, uh, it's hard for me to take her in a very very serious role now, unfortunately, and I, I feel bad about that. I'm not sure if other people. I don't. I don't feel bad about it. I think I think Sigourney Weaver is just too embedded in specifically sci-fi culture. Yeah. I don't know. I uh, I do disagree. Actually, I I did take her seriously. And that role, I mean, yes, I've seen her in Galaxy Quest. Yes, I saw Finding yeah. Dory where she was, you know, the voice of, I'm Sigourney <laughs> Weaver and welcome to the Jewel Bay of yeah. whatever, San Francisco, <laughs> whatever. Great. Exactly what it was. Um, the Jewel of Morro Bay, California, that's what it was. Um, that being said, I don't know, I, I, I can separate her from, you know, those roles and I can still take her as, you know, the girl from Ridley Scott's Alien where she was the heroine and she kicked complete ass and I can still, you know, see her as, you know, the really badass scientist from Avatar who was, you know, really serious about, you know, studying a, a new culture and, you know, bridging the gap between species and things. And so, yeah, I can definitely take her seriously as the grandmother who's trying to, you know, deal with her daughter's death as well as form a relationship with her distant grandson who is dealing with his mother's death 
I thought she did really well in this. In I, this I don't think film. anyone's suggesting she does. She's just wrong. I think the issue is yeah, is she it's more of a personal thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, and and I think that again, maybe this is just like nerd culture and your specific like slash of nerd culture because like uh, I I agree with Ben Sarah a little bit a little bit in that maybe just like she's at so many cons and she's in so many places it's just like oh is this a sci-fi series and like she's too, pro- just too many movies where she just show up and the joke is that it's Sigourney oh Weaver well that's just because yeah. she she's notorious for doing cameos is the issue yeah she does right. so many cameos and that's that's the and bigger it's unfortunate issue. I think she is I, mean, I do agree with Sarah I think she's a wonderful actress yeah she's one of and her, she's playing a serious actresses, role here and like, I think the thing is like your question is and she does a good job it's just she like, does a really good job like, it's, yeah, yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with it it's perfect like she's actually and she's actually t- like sort of typecast perfectly here with that stern face she does amazing yeah and I, I mean yeah. I think the, the one scene that really was impressive is I mean I, I was kind of able to understand where she was coming from when you know the Connor just starts like destroying like her living room and destroys the clock and all this stuff. And she comes in and of course she's lost her husband. And you know, that's probably a lot of that stuff was like his stuff and stuff that they've like accumulated over their like their lifetime. Right. So she's like emotionally attached to all that stuff, but she's able to separate that and understand what Connor's going through. And as a result, they've come like closer um, as, you know, as grand grandmother and grandson and, I thought it was just really well done, and she like sold that a hundred percent to me, at least. Yeah, I mean, we're not. I don't think Ben or me yep. or any are even are even remotely disagreeing with the fact nope. that she's an amazing actress. <laughs> I think it's 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 entirely. I get where you're coming from, Ben. I think it's entirely just like, oh, it's Sigourney Weaver. What do you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. And I mean, if fault. somebody were to come to me with you know Susan Sarandon in oh, literally yeah. any role, I would be like. Oh, oh, you yeah. mean Janet from Rocky Horror? Is that who yeah. you mean? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Amazing, I get it. Amazingly, that Tim Curry, Tim Curry was able to escape that and then continue to do nothing. So it annoys me. Yeah, yeah. Tim Tim Curry manages to be that guy and everything. I, I know, and he's <laughs> yeah. so distinctive. He's so distinctive. You know it's his voice immediately if you buy him as a character. You're like, really and, and like, and even stuff. even when he's like in makeup and like legend, like as darkness, like with like the giant ass horns, like yeah. you immediately know it's Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like Tim Curry. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing, what Tim you Curry? Doing? That's a lot of makeup. <laughs> and then when he Tim was Curry, the best character in the people? the Christmas Beauty and the Beast spinoff, when he was the <laughs> organ. Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> like that's a shit movie, but he was the Best, best character, hands best, down. Like best, uh, I don't know, like inanimate object for Tim Curry organ. <laughs> yes. And actually, now that I am a real organist, I want to go back and watch it again because I, I feel like I get it even <laughs> more. Are you like, oh, I want to play Tim Curry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. Oh, what if you played the, the notes keys, and played Tim, Tim Curry? <laughs> I don't know. I probably judge the you know animated sheet music that shows up and be like those are not the notes you're playing. Fuck <laughs> off. You are wrong. <laughs> That's a Damn C note Disney. coming out of a D note organ. Come on. <laughs> but it's Tim, Tim Curry, Curry, though. Be he, better. he doesn't do it. He, he does no wrong. <laughs> We're going to. How do you actually. I'm actually curious. How do you tune up an organ? Oh, man. We're like. You him. get somebody else to do it. And what that is, is they come in and they tune each pipe like one at a time. Oh my god! And uh, it, it takes like a whole day. It is that, not an easy process. That sounds super laborious. Yeah, and to be honest, I—I I mean, I am an organist, but I don't fully understand the process of tuning the pipes because that is not that, my job. Doesn't, isn't that like? Don't you have to like? 
to like it's metal. So like what what do you it's not like you tighten Some of the them metal. are metal, some of them are wood, some of them are, you know, constructed oh. slightly differently than others. There there is a lot that goes on. That sounds and, like you a know, really in another big life I would be later. an organ builder, not an organ player, and I would love to learn how all of this works. I just haven't gotten there yet. No, I don't I don't blame you. That's a, that's something I'm never going to Google. I'm going to I'm putting it on my I have like a little I have a little sticky notes of things to Google later. Let's see what's on Jack's sticky notes today. Um not organ Talk. tuning. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no organ tuning is the making the bottom of the list. It's uh, musicals uh, of the 1980s. Um, oh, interesting. Apparently, apparently so, there were like, a, like there was a rash return of musicals in the 80s, and I'm trying to find them. Uh, this was for La La Land, of course. Um, of course. And uh, well, everything that was when that adaptation started because Fan the Opera yeah. was so big, so everyone was like, "We got to make a musical about Carrie." Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, what I know what you're talking about. Like there was like it, like there was one big one, and then everyone said, "We can do this again," and then it just you know died. I need to look up the Echo Dot. I need to. Uh, I'm working on a visual novel game, so I need to look up art for something, um, and I need to uh, figure out if we need to do Discord or Slack on our channel. We'll figure that out. <laughs> I don't know what either of those You also are. need to finish that's, 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 your, uh, You also need to finish the Monster Calls podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's cool. There is that. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Let's let's go ahead and move on to scores. Is there anything else real quick that people want to put out there? I'm curious to Sarah if the score was any interest to you. I don't remember it. I'm just curious. I'll be honest, I was more impressed with the music that was used in the trailer than I was music. with the film and the or with the score in the actual film. That's the music, the music used I remember. The trailer <laughs> yeah, yeah. was called uh, Lower Your Eyelids to Die with the Sun by M83. Ooh, and, that's uh, M83, that's why. Yeah. yeah. It was that was a, a really beautiful song. I really appreciated that very much. The 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 score in the film was fine, but it wasn't memorable. Like I couldn't go and hum yeah. you, you know, the tune from any part of the film specifically. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, w I was really moved during, you know, the scene where, you know, Connor goes to see his mom as she's dying, but I'll be perfectly honest. I couldn't tell you if the music had very much to do with that or if it was just what was occurring during the film. What was interesting to me is uh, there was like a lot of really great use of silence. Like they would, uh, they would have like a lot of noise in the background, like a tree moving around and then they would get to like a really emotional moment. And I was just shocked by the fact that like you could literally hear like a pin drop in the theater because they would just shut out the sound entirely. And I think that really amplified like the emotional impact of a lot of like the scenes and that kind of stuff. Hmm. All right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, all right. So first up, we're going to go in reverse this time. Sarah, what do you give a Monster Calls? I give a Monster Calls an 8.5 out of 10. I, um, I thought that it did... Or just the script did really, really well with dealing with an incredibly difficult issue and that is you know how does well i guess anyone at the end of the day but particularly a child deal with grief and the loss of a parent and you know the the, the very complicated feeling of wanting somebody to live but wanting somebody to not be in pain anymore whether that's yourself or the person who is dying i mean that is so hard to deal with and this is the first time i've really seen that articulated 
very, very well and accurately in a movie. Um, I will say that the tree monster was personally hard for me to separate from, say, you know, Treebeard from The Lord of the Rings or Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. That is not really the fault of anybody except, you know, modern cinema, I guess. Um, so that made it a little bit comical for me. But I thought that we didn't really talk about the, the animated shorts in this, I guess, when... Um, Oh, I love those. The monster was, you know, telling his three stories before Connor told his story. Those were, they were really beautiful. They were sort of in the style of, you know, the Deathly Hallows mm-hmm. um, animated mm-hmm. short in Harry Potter. They were gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous and nice that none of them really had happy endings. It was, mm. it was good. Um, yeah. No, so really yes, a, a, 8.5 out of 10. 8.5. Good, good, good. All right, and uh, Sean, you're up next. You know, it's 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 tough to rate this movie, especially after rating La La Land. But I think I'm actually going to give this the same score that I gave La La Land, which would be a nine. Hold on, hold on. La La Land will play after this, so please don't tell us what your La La Land score is. No, oh, sorry. Um, but or too late, I guess. I guess it's too late at this point. But anyway, the, the point. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Magic of editing. Why why don't we start again, and then we'll just pretend that Sean didn't say that. Yeah, I'm going to cut that that out. Okay. Uh, Start from the top, Sean. It's 52 (laughs) seconds. Okay, cool. Go. Yeah, so um, I'm going to give this a 9.5, and um, the reason why I think is it's it's these these kinds of movies are why I go to the movies um, at all, actually. It's you want to go to the movies to learn something more about human interaction or about yourself. Um, and this really did a great job of discussing a very difficult subject, but also you kind of walk away from the movie theater, like with a kind of a greater understanding of something that you might not have fully understood and probably still don't fully understand. But the fact that you were able to take something away from it, um, is, is a really big deal to me. And the fact that all of the actors in this movie, uh, really sold, you know their uh, their parts, and even like the, the the child actor particularly did such a good job of uh, you know really kind of giving up a legal performance. And I think he's fourteen, so the fact that he was able to do that's just outstanding and pretty pretty incomprehensible to me at least. Um, so just putting all these pieces together, and of course the great scripts. Um, yeah, I mean it's a it's a great year for movies, and uh, you know you guys should go out and see these things because they're they're really something special. So nine. Holy fuck. <laughs> Holy fuck, Sean! That's a nine point five, really. Yeah. Sorry, I, I'm not. I'm just. I just. I. I. I just cannot read you during the cast. Like usually, I can read who's. I can always read Trevor. Like Trevor says, like his opening words in every podcast, and I know like what score Trevor is going to give that movie. Like, I just know, and I'm pretty. I'm, I, I was not expecting to say he was almost about to give Rogue One a ten, though. That was like whoa. That caught us. That <laughs> caught me off guard. Well, Trevor didn't speak during that cast. Is the problem? <laughs> like that's true. Like, that's true. I kept writing him over because I didn't realize that he was so emotionally invested. I probably would have tried to give him more airtime otherwise. I feel kind of bad about that, actually. <laughs> Let's not talk about that. Ben, you're up next. <laughs> All right. So uh, I'm going to give uh, Monster Calls a 9 out of 10. Uh, it is currently, I think, my second favorite movie of the year under Moonlight. Uh, this movie just hit me very emotionally, very hard. I, I agree. I think that the script is maybe the best of the year. I love Moonlight, but it's 
better in different ways. Um, it's just one of those perfectly constructed scripts. Alongside the Handmaid a movie, I also recommend for me having a perfect script, uh, also based on a novel. Um, and uh, I just really emotionally resonated with this film. I think it really dealt with something very interesting. I uh, have a personal affliction uh, with big movies about big metaphors for grief, and this one was definitely one of them. But kind of came in in a head-on way. Uh, dealt with the issue in a very unique way and uh, all the performances were great and I love Jay Bayona a lot and uh, like I said I, I'm sad he'll be doing Jurassic World 2 but at least I have these three films that I'm, I'm going to love and uh, put yeah. alongside his best films so a 9 out of 10 Yeah, um, and also when I start going yeah in the background that's not me trying to silence people by the way like I'm not, I'm not <laughs> Oscar like, sticking you. I'm not like stop it. We need to end this. <laughs> That's not what's happening. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you interpreted Jackie. anyone has ever interpreted that way. <laughs> like, I'm not. Jack, I hope if like if Animania if people talk too long, you play like some anime song over them. You're like da 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 da. We literally refer to each other by different names on Animania. It's gotten out of control. I really want. I really. I know like a lot of the other like because people don't on like the rest of the cast don't listen to animania because they're not like anime fans but i really like i'm curious if people get on there and catch some of like the the random inside jokes that have gotten out of hand <laughs> so i love you sarah coon um, love you jack senpai uh, yeah anyways the, uh, <laughs> moving on out i am going to be the dissenting voice here and and i agree this is this is kind of where it comes to a head a little bit this is the inferior version of this uh script um it, I give it a seven out of ten. I think that this is a great movie. It is, and I think that's a representative of there. Okay. For no reason should you ever let this movie spoil your experience of actually reading this book. For no reason is that in ever any context. Do not go see this movie. Read this book and do that. That is mm. a uh. thousand hundred percent what I'm nope. saying. This book will <laughs> change your life. No, 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 no. This book will change your life. You can only experience this story once. It isn't better done as a book and it is not that doesn't take away from it's a movie i understand doing that if you're a movie person i get it at the same time it's just better <sighs> you're killing me smalls i know i know i know you guys <laughs> singing i'm just telling you if you can if you there, there's how a much is the book gonna make me cry if the movie made me cry this much like a goddamn baby <laughs> like oh. like like it's your fucking job like that's all i can say I had to sit in the movie theater for the first like five minutes of the credits to console myself before I let other people see me. It was horrible. Yeah, the book does the book does a lot of other subsequent text stuff. It 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 enlarges and enhances a lot of the middle stories. It adds a lot of context. There's a lot of cut material in there that I think also enhances. And I think the other thing is like the reason I can tell this script is his is because it's tight and the book is tight and it does such an excellent job. Mm-hmm. And I, you can disagree with me all day. I understand that, Ben. I get it. I get it. I understand. I, I, I know the Harry Potter people are really, really fucking annoying. And I know a lot of the book people <laughs> and book adaptations are annoying. Movies should stand on their own. And I agree with that. I just cannot help but say to people, if you're going to experience the story, you only get one chance to do it the first time. I suggest the book. All right. That's all I could say. <laughs> I would suggest no, I mean, the rebuttal. Movie, rebuttal. Give me a rebuttal. No, I yeah, think you should right. talk about it. <laughs> Like, I mean, if you I, think that why why do you think people should see the movie before the book? Well, because we have a, I saw the movie and it worked really well, and I know a lot of people who saw the movie and it worked really well for them. And and so we know a lot of people based upon the Rotten Tomato score that saw it and it didn't work for them. 
Uh, yeah, but that's not. Don't know. It's, it's like a strong I'm just saying I, that's how I approached it. I think it works very well, well I, as a movie, and I think also more people are more willing to, I think, watch a movie than read a book, which is also part of it. Well, I, I agree. I mean, you if like you're not know? going, if you're not willing to read a book, but you are willing to go see a movie, I assume that my recommendation still says go see it. Like, For the I'm record, not the, the Rotten Tomato score is 87%, which is not bad. It's not bad. I just think that, like, uh, though, honestly, critical praise is kind of mixed, though. If you go to, I believe, on, what's the, what's the Metacritic? 77 or 76. Yeah, I know that I know I've read some pretty high profile negative pieces about a monster calls. Well, I think uh, there are movies that if the uh, emotional element does not work for you, you will not like it. Uh, no, it's very divisive. I think and- I think it's very divisive. It works for me clearly, and I think that's the thing is it's a recommendation for me. Go see it, unless you haven't read the book. For all right, well, oh crap. What? Um, crap, crap, Did crap, 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 crap. For we're gonna go ahead and up for the movie gang podcast. This has been Ben Haworth. I hope everyone <laughs> didn't find this too depressing. <laughs> yeah, no, no shit. Sarah Becker. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. I uh, I don't really apologize for my rant because this movie was that important to me. No, I think you said no, some absolutely. beautiful things, Sarah. Absolutely. Sean Solis. Uh, it's been fun. Good talk. And I'm your host, Jack Newman. If you want to be, we, we swear we're not this depressing all the time. So head on over to TuscanShed.com. That's the Tuscan Shed Media Network. Search it on Google. Go check out our other works, including Geek Space Nine, Animania, Save Point Gamecast, and of course, A Feast for Bros. Go check all our podcasts. And if you're done, happen, uh, if, you're, if you're enjoying, listen to us and want us to go and support the Tuscan Shed Media Network, you can head to TuscanShed.com. Head on over to the Support Us tab. Click it. Head on over to the support page, and once you're there, you can go down. you got three options to support the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can, of course, go to Audible Trial. That's audibletrial.com backslash Tuscan, and you can head on over there and do a 30-day free trial via audible.com, and that'll help support us. You can also head on to over to patreon.com, and you can go and uh, support us there. For the price of one cup of coffee a month, you can keep the Tuscan Shed Media Network rolling, and we'd really appreciate that. You can also head on over to our... Um, TuscanShed.com backslash support us and you can click on the number three link right there that's Amazon referral you can head on there and click on that link and then go ahead and do all your regular Amazon shopping and that'll uh, give us a little bit of a kickback that we can uh, you know keep the lights on over here and keep producing great content for you again that's TuscanShed.com head on over there and uh, we would really appreciate it if you would uh, allow us to keep uh, providing wonderful material that you can uh, see and if you want to head on over to Twitter Facebook you can send us messages there tell us what you hate about our podcast tell us what you love about our podcast we love to hear it we love to hear constructive criticism we love to hear what you think about the movies that we're reviewing so please head on over to tuscanshed.com or head on over to twitter and uh, tumblr facebook all the things go check us out for the movie gang podcast i am jack newman thank you for listening all right